Okay, welcome back. Really, really excited to be back. It was, you know, when you like stop something and it's just like, it's especially like with the situation that we're in in the world, like it's really hard to just like get back into something. But I was like, I have to take the plunge, even if I don't feel ready. And um, we need to make it happen because I know once we get going, it, you know, and I get so much out of it and I missed everybody immensely. So what we're going to do is we are starting chapter five. Okay. So we're at a good, we're at a good starting point. I'm going to give a brief like review, not super detailed because we can all, you can always look back at recordings if you are wanting a more in-depth review, but I do want us to like ground us and remember like it's been two months at least right about two months and I want us to remember like what were we talking about where where were we where we're headed what are we doing okay so um we spent some time talking about fundamental concepts um such as the meaning and the essence of repentance okay um how it repairs the flaws caused by sin, right? So we are, we spent some time talking about repentance. Well, what is repentance, right? Okay, now how does repentance work, right? Remember we spent time talking about like, okay, this is the type of repentance you do for this, right? Because this is what's happening when you do this kind of sin. So you need this kind of repentance, right? And this is what's happening when you do that kind of sin. So you need that kind of repentance, right? And, um, and then we spend time talking about like how the person affects that process. Like how do we, um, get in the way or motivate that process of repentance? Because I mean, obviously we're the ones that are doing it, but we, we, you know, what are our actions and how do our choices affect our relationship and our repentance? Okay. Now, that was kind of the first couple of chapters. Then we talked about um, the, the source of the soul, okay? We talked, like, what is the soul made up of and what's the source of the soul? And the, um, the flaws that sin create within the soul, right? Because if you remember, we need to understand um, what actually happens when we sin, especially to our soul, right? Because if we don't take the time, because some of this stuff that we talked we talked about, and then some of the stuff we're going to be talking about is not the easiest thing to have a class about, right? Not the easiest thing to think about. Like no one really wants to think about sinning. No one really wants to think about the ramifications of our choices, right? It's not comfortable. Like this is not like the, the first part of Tanya is very, it asks a lot of us, but it's very much easier to digest because it's, it's not really focusing on what happens when you make a bad choice, right? We don't like to think about that stuff. But why is it so important to talk about our choices? Okay, because we, if we don't know the impact that our choices have on our soul and actually on God and actually the world around us, what is gonna stop us from doing it? 
right? What's the motivation to stop something from happening if we don't understand the ramifications? If we can kind of go through life thinking, oh, a choice is a choice. Like, it doesn't really matter. Like, what you know, I don't have to worry so much about it. Then we don't really have enough conviction and enough motivation to make a good choice, right? To understand what our what the ramifications of our sins are. So we have to spend some time in this uncomfortable place of what would when I do this, what actually happens, right? And in order to understand that, you know, this is how Tanya works, right? We want to understand something. So then we open up this Pandora's box. Well, wait, in order to understand that, we have to first understand this. And in order to understand that, we have to first understand this. So that's how we got into this whole talk right before um, we took this break. We were talking about this tetragrammaton concept, right? And it's a, it was quite elusive and quite esoteric. But bottom line, what we were saying is that the soul is a reflection of God, right? God is yud k vav k, right? He is made up of those energies. And so too is our soul. Our soul is a complete ref reflection of God, okay? So um, what we also ended up talking about is, well, how was the soul created? With what energy was the soul created? By the way, if anybody is new here, um, just to um, inform you that I please interrupt if you have questions, you can unmute, you can put a chat in the chat box. If there's something that's not making sense or you have a question, like do not let me just like ramble on forever. Like <laughs> please interrupt because this is a, a class that is interactive and I really, really welcome feedback questions and if anything is unclear, right? So what what is the energy of which God created our, our us, right? And we, this is still kind of reviewing. We remember we spoke about that. We are created through speech, right? But the whole world is created through speech, but people in particular, and especially our soul was created with what aspect of speech? Does anyone remember? It's a, it's a kind of a, it's a kind of like a detailed question, but we, we are created with the source of speech, right? What's the source of speech? Remember that breath, that the hay, the hay of the, of the yud kei vav kei. So our souls is, is particularly connected to the last of the hay from the yud and the hay and the vav and the hay. Um, where's my here? being that my marker board is too far. We have the yud, we have the hey, we have the vav and the hey, okay? So our soul is directly connected to this hey. Hey represents the breath, right? There's no like, you're not using any of your five. Remember we talked about the five like sounds of speech, the tongue and the throat and the lips and the teeth, right? Hey is just breath, right? It's abstract, it's the source of speech. So us human, us humans with a soul come from the essence of God. When you blow into something, you are blowing. Breath is your essence. So the whole world was created from speech. We, the soul in particular, is created from the essence of speech. Okay. So in this chapter, the Alter Rabbi, the author of the Tanya, is going to address the way in which the soul 
navigates its life in this world, right? Connected to its source, right? Um, and when we carry out our mission, we are connected directly to its our vital source, right? It that that allows us to have this vital connection when we do what we're asked to do, when we do what we were created to do, right? And the Tanya is going to explain how partial or even total disconnection can happen. How could it be, right? How could it be that if we are created from the essence of God, from this direct breath, the source of God, how could it be that we can be disconnected? How is it possible for something to be disconnected from its source? And we are going to talk about there is one way. There's only one way that disconnection happens. I'm sure we could all guess what that is, but we're going to understand why that is. Why, how can we be disconnected? And why is this, it, this only, there's this only one way that can cause a disconnection, okay? So any questions so far? No, good, okay. Um, so every other aspect of the world is created through the letters of the Aleph Bet, okay? Um, which are the external expression of speech, right? They're, they're actually formed words. So they're the external expression of speech. And, um, and we use those five organs of speech to enunciate, right? So it's much more tangible. Um, the, this divine breath is alluded to by the final letter of the hay, which we spoke about, right? And um, that is where the source of speech comes from. It comes from the breath. Now, the soul is an extension of God's breath. I, I'm saying this a few times, but I really want you to understand that, okay? The soul is an extension of God's breath. And I want you to think about CPR. Okay, think about CPR, right? When a person is performing mouth-to-mouth -mouth on someone who needs resuscitation, right? What are you doing? You're infusing your life into the life of the other person, right? So that's how we think about God, ours and God's relationship. It is God infusing himself into us, right? It is, we are being breathed alive by God. Now, um, I mean, I just, I think that's really profound, really profound. And it, and we, when we're humans walking around the world, going about our life, we rarely think about that. Right. We really we think we're like walking around as separate entities and, you know, which we which we are in a in a certain sense. And we have free choice and are making choices. But how often do we think about what our source is? Right. And, and what where we come from and what we're sustained by now. Um, there is a verse that all, the rest, the most of our chapter is going to be um, kind of based on, and we're going to really talk about it a lot. And that verse is, and, and many of you might have heard, I'm going to say it in Hebrew and then I'll translate. Kichalak Hashem Amo Yaakov Chavel Nachalaso, right? For the portion of the Lord is his people, Jacob, the allotment of his inheritance, Okay. So this verse is going to play a central role in understanding 
the key of our relationship with God. This is really going to help us understand, well, what is our relationship with God? Well, what is, what is this? life-giving, breath, source, all these big words that we're using, like what does it actually mean, right? What it So firstly, what it actually means is in the, the portion of the Lord is his people. Now you can translate that superficially as a sense of affiliation and acquisition, right? The sense of the Jewish people being his chosen nation. Right. How apropos to what we're dealing with right now, like, you know, we're dealing with so much and so much opposition to who we are at our core. Right. Like, yeah, God is our God. The Jewish people are God's chosen nation, as is Israel, the chosen land, because God chose that land for the Jewish people. It's as simple as that. You know, and we get derailed and it's complicated because we start talking about, you know, ownership and give, you know, all this kind of stuff. It's simple. God gave us the chosen land to his chosen people, right? This is what the source of our existence is. But even more so, what this verse is telling us is that every Jew is a portion of him. Every Jew is actually a piece of him. Not that we're the chosen, only that it means we're the chosen people and God chose us, right? No, no, no. We are him, right? We are a piece of him. It's much more than that, right? And this chavel, which this allotment, translated as allotment, is tra we translate it as, as a cord, a rope, right? It's a rope that attaches us to God. Okay, I want you to think about the fact that every single Jew, we're going to focus on Jews right now, every single Jew has a rope that goes from his soul, his or her soul, to God, directly attached and connected. Okay, this is really, it's, it's our lifeline. Okay, it's this a vertical lifeline that extends from above to below. And it goes from the uppermost tip of the final hay in the name of God, right? So you know how we have the uppermost tip. Oh, sorry. That's not in the camera. Uppermost tip. So the, 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 the rope is going from here, right? Or actually probably down, down to the, to the person, right? Um, and so the uppermost, yeah, it's going from the uppermost tip of the hay to the person's soul. And it actually extends into the most minute details of your life. Okay. It is not this abstract thing, right? It's, it's like the umbilical cord, right? It's the umbilical cord of a mother to its baby, but the umbilical cord like actually gets snapped. Like we're not always completely attached to our mother, our birth mother, um, but we are always completely attached to Hashem. Um, and if you really want to have like a really um, awesome visual, the um, there's a, the sages correlate this cord to the spinal cord. Okay. Why? Because the spinal cord extends from the brain, the primary control center of life, right? And branches out to every limb and every organ right? 
And the slightest injury to a spinal cord will affect immense damage, right? You can nick the spinal cord and a person can be paralyzed, right? The slightest damage really affects the body to a real, real severe degree, right? To partial or full paralysis or even death, right? So likewise, this cord, this inheritance that we have is our lifeline and it must remain intact in order for it to channel complete vitality. If it gets nicked, there's ramifications, okay? So if your spinal cord gets, if your physical spinal cord gets bruised, nicked, damaged, there's very severe damage to our body. If our spiritual spinal cord gets damaged, there's damage to our spiritual life, to our soul, to our connection with God, right? And, and that, you know, is a very, very, I find like a very good visual that helps us take this abstract. What do you mean? There's a cord that connects me to God, right? It's a very abstract concept. But when you think about it as your spinal cord or as your lifeline, as your umbilical cord, like a, a baby in a womb can't survive without an umbilical cord, right? That's how it's nourished. That's how it's fed. So too, our soul, when we make nicks and obviously we know what those nicks are, right? But we're going to get into it a little bit more like transgressions, sins, like those are our nicks on our spinal cord. And what we're going to talk about, I don't know if we're going to get to it today, but there are more severe and more um, lesser severe damage, right? Depending on what our, what, what, what the sin is ramifications are. And I want to remind you about the, 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 the parable or the, what's these, what's it called? Like the comparison that we gave to understand like why sins have different ramifications, right? Like, because we also know from Gemara that like a sin is a sin, right? A sin disconnects you, right? But then why are there different punishments for different sins? So, so I'll remind you what we talked about, right? Like when there's a sin, it's like a blackout right? Anytime you have a sin, there's a blackout. Your connection with Hashem is broken. Now, to get that connection back up, you have to figure out, well, what did the blackout come from? Was it a flipped fuse? Is it a, um, um, oh my gosh, we have, we have to dig it up in our, in our block all the time. The, the gener like the, not the generator, but the, whatever. Is it like, is it just a flipped fuse or is there like a real wiring problem or is it like the plumber has the electrician has to come and do six hours of work right depending on what tripped the fuse that's going to depend on like how you turn it back on and how you fix it right so that's the same thing with sins a sin turns the lights off right but not every sin has the same ramifications and not every sin takes each sin takes different amounts of work or amounts of time to turn the lights back on, right? So just want to remind you of that because sins, sin in general, equally turn the lights back to, to the light, turn the lights off. But in order to get the lights back on, what does it take? Is it a big problem? Is it a smaller problem? And that's what we learned how each sin and different sins have different ramifications and different affects our soul and the world differently. Okay. So any Good. We're still, still no questions. You're just going to let me talk and that's it. That's, that's it. No, no interruptions. <laughs> you guys are easy tonight. Um, okay. So please. Oh, Barbara. Let, are yeah. You, yeah. 
Yeah, I just unmuted. Um, something that we've been hearing a lot these last couple of weeks is that since we're all part of one soul, anything that's happening to any Jew is happening to all of us. Yes. Yes. And that's part that's of like a micro. There's like the macrocosm and the microcosm, right? So the in the microcosm, we're talking about our what's happening in our soul and everything's connected and everything gets affected in the macrocosm. We're really part of this one organism. We're really all part of one right. body, right? And that's why if you, you find like there's no other nation like that where gets affected so deeply by the pain or vice versa, the joy of someone you actually really don't know, but you feel like family, right? That is because exactly of what you're saying, Barbara, is like we're really part of one communal connected soul and only the Jewish people have that. So I think, you know, I, I've been like struggling a little bit with, well, how come some people understand and know to say something to me in Montana, right? And some people, I see them and they say nothing. Because, and I and I and I talked myself through that um, with my sister as well, because she also lives in Montana. We're kind of both experiencing similar things. Like it's it's so it's such a foreign concept to them. Like oh, all the things that are happening in Israel. Like yeah, it's sad, but like it really affects you so deeply. Like why, right? And they don't even they don't even have a, a, a you know a, 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 like a concept of what that actually means, right? So that that is why it's that way. It's because we have we are one soul. So we have the microcosm where we have to manage our own choices in our own body and our own soul. But that's why every choice we make, which is what we learned in the beginning of Tanya, like the first round of Tanya, every choice we make is not only about our soul's energy, but it's what energy happens in the world and how that has a much broader effect than just with our life. Because of that because we are all connected and we are responsible for one another, right? So if a group of us are making a bad choice, we aren't allowed to be like, well, it's just them, right? Or we're not, no, no. Why is a part of our body acting like that? Like, that's not okay. We're responsible for that, right? And that's why we also feel our intense celebrations and joys as well. Um, so thank you for that, Barbara. That's that's a beautiful point. And it really kind of helps us process or kind of move through what we're feeling so deeply. Like, cause sometimes it's like, am I crazy? Like how, why am I not functioning? Like my body is safe here in America, right? Like, you know, I'm not physically in war, but why does it feel like my nervous system and my heart is at war? Because it is, right? Because we're one heart. That's, that's why, right? Okay. So, um, so we need our cord. We need our spiritual spinal cord to remain intact, to have an optimal connection and relationship with Hashem. Okay. So we're going to go back to really understanding why the concept of blowing, that the fact that Hashem blew our soul into us is so important and is so significant and, a, and really um, gives us a clue into what our relationship with God looks like and why it's it's so important that we understand the source of it, right? Now, so think about breath 
right? It's air, right? Um, and uh, and think about a, a wind, right? Wind can blow as long as there's nothing stopping it. There's no disturbance interrupting it, right? So if there was a big obstruction, right? And that's, you know, living in the mountains, we can really understand that, right? Like, let's say there's a big gust of wind and there's a big range of mountains, that mountain range is going to stop that wind from getting to the other side, right? It's an obstruction to that, to that wind. So any obstruction um, halts the flow of air and prevents it from reaching its destination, right? Let's say there's a, a big wind and it's headed in one direction, but then it's blocked by an obstruction, whether it's mountains, a wall, buildings, right? Those, right? Like if you're in um, like downtown Manhattan, like you will feel different like weather patterns than you would feel outside of a place where there's tall buildings, right? It's really, it really affects that. Um, so this physical dynamic of wind um, gives us a window into this spiritual concept of breath. Okay, if something obstructs God's breath that enlivens our soul, it cannot reach the soul. Okay, so imagine God is breathing life into us. Now we know that this is not a one time thing, right? God didn't just say, let there be light and then there's light, right? It has to constantly be created. God didn't blow the soul into us and then back off. God has to constantly will us into existence or we cease to exist, right? So let's say, not let's say, God is blowing into us all the time, constantly, or else we would not exist. But then there's an obstruction to that breath. And then God's breath cannot get to our soul. What happens? Right? Now, that doesn't allow us to connect to God on a soul level. That is an obstruction to our connection with Hashem. Now, I, I'm going to quote from the time uh, from, I don't know if it's actually said in the Tanya, but in the Steinsaltz, he says something so beautiful. Um, and I just have to pause and like this, read it to you for a second. It's two seconds and really process it. God breathes together with us as if we are breathing one breath, right? Like, think about that for a second. We, every time we take a breath, if you would imagine that God is literally breathing with us, our breath and his breath are one and the same. We breathe, that means God is breathing with us, right? Like, I just, I, I read it today and I was just like, I paused and I was like, wow. Wow. God is breathing together with us. Right. And so he's animating our existence. Right. And our living soul. God is animating and giving energy to our living soul. Right. However, however, the moment an obstruction presents itself. Right. When our soul does not flow into us. From a continuous kind of unity with God. Right. We have no breath and we have no life, okay? We're gonna talk about this obstruction in a second and we're gonna talk about, we're gonna, we're gonna pick this apart in a minute, but bear with me for a second. 
God, our breath and God breath, God breathes with God breathes with us, right? When there's an obstruction to that breath, when an obstruction presents itself, when our soul does not flow into us from a continuous continuous unity with God's soul, we have a problem. We have a problem. And I want you to think about um like the blades of a windmill. Okay. The blades of a windmill will rotate as long as there's wind, right? As long as there's wind, the blades will rotate. That's why uh, wind power is very problematic, right? Like, you know, I don't know, in Texas, they have all these wind farms. And that when we had that big freeze back in Texas, we were relying on wind energy. Like that was a major fail. Um, but I mean, there's, 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 um, what's it called? There's merit to it, but it's complicated, right? Like if there's no wind, there is no, the windmill is not turning, right? The moment the wind stops, the windmill stops as well, right? Um, so to stop the movement of the blades, no action is really required, right? It's just an absence of an action, right? Let's say you want to stop the windmill. All that has to happen is the wind has to stop blowing, right? And that's enough to stop the windmill. Likewise, God exists on condition that he continues to create it, right? We exist on condition that God decides to keep blowing, right? He stops blowing. We cease to exist, right? Um, He cannot stop for one instant right if he stops blowing or he stops creating then we cease to exist right um it has to be a sustaining power it's not a one-time thing it's not god said let there be light let there be whatever and that's it and he steps you know the the people that think that god created the world but it's like once he created the world he kind of steps back and kind of watches the game, like the Monopoly board, right? He's just an observer. He kicks in if he wants to, but like he's not directly involved with our lives. That is not what Hasidus believes, right? Hasidus believes that God is constantly recreating the world, recreating us. He is, not only is he involved in everything, but he is everything, right? We've talked, we spent some time talking about that, right? He is everything. So it's a sustaining power. And if God wills it, he wants it and, and he wills it into existence, right? So likewise, God's blowing the divine soul into man is not a one-time thing, right? It didn't just occur to the one time where God blew the soul into Adam, Adam and he was created. This is a perpetual occurrence that sustains the human species full stop, right? But... There's a difference between all of creation and humans, okay? And I want you to follow follow this with me for a minute because it's it's a little like abstract, but it really makes sense when we like, it takes some time to process, but it makes sense. So the process, this process of God creating humans is actually more intense than anything else that Hashem created, right? Because God doesn't only, it's not only that God speaks and we exist, it's that he blows, right? 
And when God's blowing, it's our, it's his essence coming into us. Right. Um, so what happens, I guess I'm going to rephrase is speech, does speech get obstructed by anything? Can speech basically travel through an obstruction? Right? You can be on one side, you can you can actually argue right now, like you can hear me and there's a lot of obstructions between us. But if I blow, you're not gonna feel anything. Right? If I blow through this computer, you're not feeling it. That's an obstruction. But you can hear me, right? Speech can travel through many different kinds of obstruction. For example, I can be on one side of the room and someone can be on the other side of the room. There's a wall there, but that person can still hear me. Oh, masks. Oh God, you want to all, you want to re-traumatize us? <laughs> yes, exactly. Masks. You can There was at that. one point we had a candle and someone was like trying to blow it out through a mask and couldn't do yeah. it. It's a perfect example, right? You cannot blow a candle out through a mask, but I can hear you, right? I can st stand on one side of a wall and the person can hear me on the other side of the wall. But if I blow, if I try to blow through the wall, that's not happening. Why? Because speech is a more superficial co communication, right? And it doesn't, it's not blocked by obstructions that breath gets obstructed by. So if, if there is, um, if there is an obstruction, right? If there is something that's blocking God's energy, the rest of the world can move on and function, right? But our soul really can't because the rest of the world is sustained by God's speech. So we can sin, right? I'm bringing sin into it because we understand that the obstruction is sin, right? We can sin and our bodies can be okay, and the world can be can continue to function and be okay, but our soul cannot because our soul is sustained by breath. An obstruction is sin, right? Other things can exist because it's created by speech and that doesn't get affected by obstruction as greatly as, as, as our soul does. For example, with a mask, I love the mask example because when you try to speak through a mask, it is muffled a little bit, right? It's not the same as hearing it without a mask, but it's still, you can still communicate. It's still possible, right? So when there's negative energy in the world, the world can still exist. It's not at its greatest, right? It's not getting God's best self, but it can, see, can exist. But if we sin, because God created our soul through breath, that sin is an obstruction, and then our soul is being very gravely impacted by that disconnection. And we're going to get into that more. But do you? But does that make sense? That metaphor with speech and breath makes sense in the way that the different ramifications of obstruction and and it translates into into the way that Hashem created the world. Right, the rest of the world is created through speech. It can manage with with not perfect communication, right? It can manage the obstructions don't destroy it. But our soul is way more sensitive. Our soul's existence comes from the essence of Hashem. And when we have an obstruction, that essence 
gets blocked, right? There's a blockage um, that doesn't allow that energy to flow between the hay and the and the soul, right? And why are we talking about this? I'm I'm gonna just remind you why we're even talking about this is because when we understand what sin does and what obstruction it causes to our soul, we under first of all, we understand the ramifications and we'll avoid it less, probably. We'll avoid it more, probably. Secondly, we have to understand what chuva uh, does. What does chuva accomplish, right? Chuva is gonna be removing that blockage, right? Removing that mountain or that wall that stands in the way between us and God. Questions? Yes. Yeah. Um, when you say low, especially this time of year, what I think is chauffeur. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, I think it's probably true of all of us. It's it, it, you feel it as much as you hear it. A hundred percent. And the other thing that I wanted to say is, you know, that you can, you can talk forever, right? Like energy that you use for speech, maybe not forever, but you can talk a lot longer than you can blow, right? Like you ever blow balloons yeah. and after like five balloons, you're like, you're lightheaded and you're dizzy and you're done. Why? Because that's coming from such a deeper part of you. It's so much more energy talking. People can trust me. People can talk for a long time and they don't yeah. stop. Um, and that is, um, it's just because it's more superficial and to what you're saying is when you blow, you feel it, right? Like it's coming from inside of you. Like you, not only do you, do you, um, feel it, hear it or see it, right? You feel it. And that is, that is a very good point about breath. Now, um, I kind of answered the question before I said it, but we would have the question, like, is it, is it possible for any, like, how could it be possible for anything to obstruct the presence of God? Right? Like, what are you saying that there's obstruction? And we answered that by the speech versus the breath, like a, a one object can only obstruct another object that's similar to it. Right. So this is actually very fascinating. Uh, it's a little bit of a science lesson and I'm not a science person. So like I, when I, I I find these things very interesting. So matter can obstruct matter, right? One solid can't pass through another solid, but a liquid can pass through a solid, right? Let's say you have a stone, right? Or uh, a rock and a rock can't pass, a rock and a rock obstruct each other, but, uh, but water can flow through around, it can still get through. Right. Um, so if the materials are not of the same state, it can infiltrate the other, right? A liquid can seep through a solid. Um, and energy and spirit can certainly penetrate solids and liquids. That's fascinating, guys. Ener okay, I'm super fascinated by energy. If you know me, you know this about me, right? I'm all about the energy and energy healing and everything's energy, right? If we know this, right? We're all balls of energy. So um, try to argue that energy isn't important. It's not gonna, you're not gonna win that argument, right? Because it's just not possible. We're all energy. So um, 
liquid can pass through solid and certainly energy and spirit can penetrate solids and liquids, right? Um, so therefore God's presence, which is absolutely and uh, unique and distinct from any reality, from any subject matter, cannot be obstructed or permeated or stop, can't from not permeate anything, right? It seems, it seems that God should not have any obstruction. It seems that nothing should obstruct God, right? That would make sense. Um, but we, um, God, and there's a bunch of quotes in the Tanya that proves this, right? That God is everywhere. He's heaven and earth and there's no space devoid of him. We know we've studied all this, these proofs that God is everything and with and everything, right? So God always exists, exists everywhere. Um, so an obstruction, what would, what would need to happen? What is the, what's the, what's the, um, what's the word I'm looking for? The, the, oh my God, I lost my words. The things that would, that would make up an obstruction to God. Like what is the criteria of an obstruction that would obstruct God, right? Um, basically an obstruction would necessitate the existence of another thing other than God and what exists other than him right? We, 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 we know that he, he's, per, he's everything. Does, does he not flow through everything? And is, this is not like, how, how are we talking? How are we talking about an obstruction to God? How, how is this making any sense? Right? We're, yes, we understand that breath, breath can be stopped by an obstruction, but we're talking about God here. Like, why are we talking about an obstruction? God is everywhere and everything, right? Um, and what what is what the Tanya says is really, really fascinating. And he says, God can do everything and anything, right? God is um infinite and he has no limitations and boundaries. But guess what? God decided that there there is something that can obstruct his presence inside of you right even though even though we're even though we know that god can do everything and how could he be obstructed and how it doesn't make sense right because he it permeates everything if he's an energy if god is an energy right then nothing blocks energy right every energy can seep through anything so what are we saying that god god is obstructed by anything and um, God is the one that decides that there can be an obstruction to him. You know that I actually learned this concept a little, you know, a while ago, and it's, it's hard to kind of grasp, but when we say that God is limitless, and when we say that God, um, that actually limits him, right? Because you're saying, oh, he can't be obstructed. God can't be obstructed, but that, that in itself is a limitation. If God wants to be obstructed, he's going to be obstructed. He gets to decide whether he's obstructed or not. So here in the Tanya, it says, God gives life to all, right? 
from the angels to the spiders to anything that exists. And um, what reality exists to counter his will, right? God also created a reality that goes against him. What is that? Sin. What is sin is evil, right? Evil does not apply to this objective phenomenon that that will block this, that that basically what I'm saying is that God created a, an energy that goes against him. And he created this energy that goes against him. He created that this energy that goes against him will affect our relationship with him. So does it make sense that should, could it be that God, could God decide that nothing blocks him and everything, he can permeate everything? Yes. Does it negate the fact that God is everything? No. But did God decide to create sin, to create evil? For what purpose? To block him, right? To be a, to be a, uh, to, to be this antithesis to him. What's the point of having an antithesis to him if it doesn't block him, right? What would be the point of creating evil and sin if it actually didn't affect our relationship with God? Then there'd be no point, right? So what I'm trying to say in kind of a roundabout way, and it's, I'm sorry if I'm not being super clear, but um, what I'm trying to say is that God is infinite, right? So we don't get to decide what he can and cannot do. So yes, it would seem from our knowledge that God can permeate everything and anything. Could he? Yes. Right? Not he, yes, he's an energy. He can he can permeate whatever he wants to permeate. Did he create the world in that way? No. Did he create the world in a way that there is something that blocks him from you? Yes. What did he create that blocks him from you? He created sin. He created evil. What is the point of sin and evil? The point of sin and evil is the flip side to good, the flip side to connection. God wants us to choose to connect to him. If there was nothing to choose from, what we do that, right? Like then there's no point. So the reason why evil exists, the reason why sin exists is to create this blockage, is to create this barrier between us and God. If sin didn't create a barrier, then why, what would stop us from sinning? Sinning wouldn't be a problem because there'd be no barrier. God can do anything and everything, you know? Who cares if we sin? He can still, we can still have a relationship with God if we sin, right? And we can, but the relationship with God comes with, it comes with ramifications when we sin, right? So when we sin, and we're, I'm going to, I'm going to stop here as far as going any further, but what I'm going to give a little bit of a sneak peek into what we're going to be discussing next class. When we sin, that spinal cord that we talked about in the beginning, right? That rope that connects us, our soul to God's soul gets damaged, right? What happens when there's damage in a spinal cord? There's, there's damage, right? There's paralysis. There's all sorts of things that could happen. So when we sin, 
I want you to think about this rope. And we, we talked about this in the, in the first book of Tanya, but very, very, very briefly. I want you to think of the sin of, that has 613 strands, okay? When we sin with whatever sin, that strand that's connected to that sin gets severed, gets snipped, okay? Now, we still have other pathways of connection. We're not completely foregone. We're not completely lost. We're not completely like, you know, you, you know, you cut the rope and you're, you're into oblivion, right? That's not how it works. We have many strands in that rope and the rope gets weakened. Our connect, depending on what sin we do, or depending on what choice we make, our connection gets weakened. Okay. So that rope gets snipped. It gets damaged. Now, is it, does it have to be a permanent damage? No. Could we fix it? Yes. What happens when we fix it? That it gets tied back together, right? And some, and in some ways that connection is even stronger than it was beforehand. Cause now we have that knot, right? That knot makes it stronger. So what we're saying is your choices, it's not, it's, it's, it's more concrete than you think about, right? Our choices have concrete ramifications to our spinal cord between us and Hashem, right? We don't always see the ramifications. We don't always feel the ramifications. But if we were in tune, really in tune, and if we tapped into our soul and our connection, we would know, we would feel, oh, I did this, I did this thing. I made this choice that is affecting my access to Hashem. Right? That's affecting the strength of my connection. Why are we talking about this? Number one, I'm going to review number one to uh, convince us to not do that, right? Like it's not worth it, right? This sever, the severing, this connection break that happens, this blockage that happens between us and God when we transgress is a really big deal, right? So don't do it but we're human and we're going to do it, right? Because what did I say in the beginning of Igar Satshuva? Why does this book even exist? If God didn't think we were going to sin, then there'd be no path to repentance. If we were supposed to be perfect, if God created a bunch of tzaddikim or a bunch of angels walking around this world, then there'd be no concept as repentance, right? But God knows what he created. He knows he created humans with a lot of desires and a lot of struggles and a lot of you know, we're not always going to make the right choice. So he gave us a path to return. When we choose to disconnect, he's like, oh, I know you're going to do that, right? I wish you wouldn't, but I know you're going to do that. So here is how you return, right? But we all, we have to know, we have to really, really, really understand repentance and to really understand what sin does and what, and for the flip side, what? good deeds do we have to understand the mechanics of our soul where our soul comes from what happens when we kind of um veer off the path and how do we get back on the path and just know altarab is very 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 much a believer in the more we know the mechanics of our soul, our choices, the world, what, you know, energies for different things, the more knowledge we have, the better 
um, choices we make because we have more knowledge. That's why the Tanya spends so much time talking about our soul and the energies of our soul and where that comes from and, and, and the ramifications of our emotions, right? Like what are, what does it matter, right? What are emotions, right? What we think about is what we feel about is what we do, right? All these things, when we understand the inner workings of, of how the intricacies involved in who we are and how Hashem created the world gives us more information, gives us more power. We have more power. We have more um, choices at our disposal when we have more knowledge. And that's, that's the point of the Gerasa Chuba, right? We, we, we know, right? We don't beat ourselves up when we sin because we know we're going right? Um, we're just, I it was just speaking in our other tiny class that the, the service is in the struggle, right? When we struggle, that's the service. You can go your whole life struggling with your relationship with Hashem and know and do it happily because know that you're, you're doing what you're supposed to do, right? The struggle is where it's at. That's what Hashem created us to do. To, we have two forces inside of us, right? An evil inclination that gets us, wants us to do anything that's self-gratifying and a godly soul. And it's constantly in battle. So don't think, don't be down on yourself when you're struggling or when you have desires that are not godly. Like that's why we're here, right? So we're going to mess up. We're going to sin. The more we understand what happens when we sin, the less we'll be inclined to do it. It loses its luster, right? It loses its allure when we're like, but what, what, how all this work to get back? Like, is it really worth it? Like, is this one hour of pleasure or this one minute of pleasure worth the toil that it's going to take to retie that knot? Like, is it really worth it? Like if we actually paused, wait, what's the, what's the, um, the, the, almost the, the, the universal solution to, like making good choices, right? The pause, right? If we just paused every time before we said something, before we did something, we would save ourselves a lot of trouble. What, what happens is we're, we, we're acting out of impulse. We don't pause, right? And we don't think about what we're actually doing when we do what we do. So the Tanya wants us to pause. He wants us, the Altar wants us to think for a second. Uh, he's like, I want to tell you what is actually going on when you make that choice. Because maybe if you know, you'll do it less. You're not going to do it never, but you'll do it less, right? And then I want you to know, like, when you sin, like, what's your way back? Okay, this is where this is where we're going to stop. Um, any questions before we do a meditation? Is any, listen, we have comments, we have questions, we have stories, anything that struggles, you just not, you know, um, what do I always say? Um, just like arguments, like you want to just stomp on everything I just said, we can do it. We can, we can go through it. Any, any, anything that anyone has on their mind before we meditate. We're good. We're good. Okay. So remember been a while we're gonna we're gonna ease into our meditation practice so i'm gonna really just focus on some deep breathing i think our nervous systems really just need some deep breaths okay so we're gonna take a minute to breathe and then we're gonna think about some of the things we talked about today um and and then we'll leave it at that
Okay. So I want to remind you when you inhale, what are you thinking about? Okay. When you inhale, you want to focus on your heart center, right? Your chest, and you want to open it up. And what do you want to do? You want to open it up to receive all the good and all the wonderful things that God has in store, right? You have to be open. If you're hunched over and closed up, you can't receive, right? So when you're inhaling, you want to really open up for receiving. When you exhale, I want you to focus on how your body collapses and relaxes. Drop your shoulders. I want you to ground yourself and I want you to let go of whatever negative energy you have going on inside of you right at this moment. Okay, so inhale, open up, receive, exhale, release, relax. Okay, we're going to do five inhales and exhales and then we'll we'll meditate on a thought and and then we'll close okay so get comfortable in your seats wiggle around if you need to and um, gently close your eyes when you're ready we want you to inhale and exhale you can even like visit like audibly exhale inhale Open, 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 open. Exhale, let it all go. Inhale. And exhale. Inhale. And exhale. Last one. Inhale. And exhale. Okay, so what are some of the things that we focused on today? The soul remains connected to the deeper level of divine breath in contrast to the rest of the universe, which only has a connection to the more superficial divine speech. Okay, so the world is connected to God through speech and the soul is connected to God through breath. Now I want you to think about what that means. Why is that important? Like what we spoke about today, what does it mean to you? Like, what does it mean that we are being sustained by God's breath? Does it impact you in any way? Does it change anything for you? Maybe it doesn't and that's okay. But when you think about, like for me, the, the powerful thought was, my breath is God's breath. When I'm breathing, God's breathing with me. Like that to me felt very, very powerful. It almost felt like a hug, right? Like a warm hug. Like God is so connected to me. My breath is his breath. To me, that was like an embrace. Like, oh, like he's with me all the time. My breath is his breath. Um, Maybe it brings up something else for you. Like what is the fact that your soul is sustained by Hashem's breath means to you. And take a minute to think about it. Okay, this is where we're kind of touched upon, but where we're going to be headed next class even more is that when a person follows the path of Torah, 
he draws upon himself a holy supernal spirit, right? When you follow the path of Torah, you are embraced by the holy supernal everlasting spirit of God. But when a person perverts his ways, he draws him upon himself another spirit, Sitra Achra, which is the side of impurity. So that's what you're connecting to when you kind of veer off the path. Your soul's connecting to the impurity of the world. Take a minute to just let that process. Um, does this have any practical impact on you in your life? Maybe you just need to think about it some more. What are you going to think about during this week? I want you to bring your attention back to your breath. We'll do two more nice big breaths. Inhale. And exhale. One more inhale. And exhale. Let your breath kind of return to its natural rhythm. Move your body, kind of refocus on your physical space and your surroundings. And when you're ready, you can gently open your eyes. I'm going to stop the recording because we're already a little over time.